You're listening to Gameplay with Matthew Cause on TSN 1050. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I'm your host, Matthew Cause. Second hour of the show. You got divisional playoffs on Saturday and Sunday. You got the Leafs taking on Montreal. You got the Raptors, but now it's feeling more like we're seeing, we're going to be discussing more trades and mock drafts than we are about what they're actually going to do in terms of getting into the playoffs. Um, Josh Ingalls from Covers.com will join the show in just a... Oh, he's here right now! Josh, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm here, Maddie. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Before we get to the NFL, real quick, uh, what do you think? Do we start to do we uh, put a, put some money down on Austin Matthews to score more than one goal? As it, it feels like he's starting to Hulk out, it, you know, like like Hulk Hogan, as you know, he was on, he he got, he got uh, pinned for two, and then he'd kick out of it, and then he'd get up, and he start and he'd start shaking his head. He became punched in the face. He'd feel nothing of it. He'd start hulking out. Next thing you know, a leg drop the matches over is that where we are with austin matthews first off i think we grew up in a world with uh, saturday afternoons uh, early afternoon uh, wwf superstars we never got to see like a real match we always got to see like bob backland versus joe smith hold so, on wait was, uh, wait now we now we have to do this i didn't want to do this but here we are iron mike sharp was always Always involved on Saturday morning wrestling. It was a moondog spot. You know, at best you'd get a Cowboy Bob Orton. And that's if you were lucky. Yeah, the, the, the key match wasn't very good. I'd like, we always just have to rent the tape of actual SummerSlam or something. So you, you didn't, it never got old watching him hulk out like that. But, no. I mean, here we are with Austin Matthews. Just going down the feed, I was trying to find his price yesterday in the, the Twitterverse here, but uh, it's just kind of silly. We're at that point where he's going to heat up, and I'm looking at a tweet. I don't know if it's 100% correct. My sources could be terrible. But Peter Walker says, Pete, that Pete Police fan says, uh, Austin Matthews at this point last season, 34 games, 25 goals. Austin Matthews this season, 44 games, 24 goals. So we could just be getting the tip of the heat. And I was looking at the Rocket Trophy odds, which, I mean, it's starting to run away with Connor McDavid. But Matthews is 75-1, to 1, and he's like the 15th betting favorite. So, oh. I mean, yeah, I, I, I haven't really done the math. I don't know if there's any value in it, but it's just funny to see him down there. And I, I, I don't know. I think there's probably a chance at 50 if, he's, uh, if the wrist is good. And it sure does look like it is. Yeah, and he said he was feeling great. Uh, those couple uh, games off that uh, just sort of gave him a bit of a recharge. Um, moving over to the NFL, we'll do a bunch of overs and unders. And I know you were looking at the Devin Singletaries and the Ezekiel Elliotts of the world. To me, the captain obvious one is Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Eagles. His number is 52.5 receiving yards. He did that in 7 of 12 games. The Giants are some of the worst linebackers in the NFL, and we saw what Hawkinson did last week for the Vikings. Uh, I love the over at minus 114. It feels a little Captain Obviously, but sometimes Captain Obvious works out. Yeah, these are funny, right? So you handicapped it the way that a lot of people handicap props. 
So you handicap the player in the situation and the matchup, and then you go to the number at the end, and you've already convinced yourself that that's what you're going to bet. Goddard was 47.5 yesterday. I looked at that. I thought that was high. His reception total of 4.5 is a little high. I mean, I was happy to hit the 47.5. You said TJ Hawkinson. In two games in four weeks, he put up 250 yards versus that Giants defense. And Goddard's kind of in that stretch where he's healthy again, uh, at least 45 yards in the three games since coming back. So there's a good floor there. Uh, the TD price, uh, it was plus 200, is also in play. But maybe maybe people have missed the boat on the over yards. Yeah, if it's already gone from 47 to 52, damn, that is high. All right, well, I guess I'm I'm part of the public and clearly not part of the Sharps. Uh, you were tw- no, no, that, not, nothing wrong with that. That's the way we, we do it. But I think that convinces people how to bet props when it should be just kind of go in there with a narrow mind, look at the numbers, and work backwards. It takes a lot more time to do that. And that's why having projections and models is obviously the way to go and why people pay for it. I saw you tweeting out about, uh, about Ezekiel Elliott. Um, what do you like or don't like about betting on the Dallas Cowboys um, starting running back? Uh, you know, wherever you think of him. Slight voice inflection? Slight? I mean, it, it, this, is, this is exactly what it is. This is the opposite of what we just did with Dallas Goddard. You could talk yourself into betting his under immediately after you saw him do nothing last week. Uh, he still had, what, 13 carries. He was out carried 15 to 13, and you would just say, okay, give me his under. But we got, uh, we got this total at 34 and a half. It was 50 last week. This is the lowest it's been pretty much ever with him and Pollard. We're starting to see that, and I think this is the dip on Elliott, whose carry sits at 11 and a half, so he's good for probably 10, 11, maybe 12 carries in a game that has the lowest spread, the lowest total. So we're looking at probably a neutral game script, which does help with the run game. And I think this is just too low of a number. And in these prop bets, usually the least sexiest bet is probably the one that holds the most value. Yeah, and that usually means like taking the under, um, you know, like like Devin Singletary, uh, the running back for the Bills, you might want to take the under there. Same thing also going to unders on Saquon Barkley. We saw how many times Daniel Jones ran the ball against Minnesota, and if you look at the advanced numbers, the Eagles aren't a great team when it comes to defending mobile quarterbacks. Um, Do you have any other boring, unsexy um, uh, thoughts on either those ones or other ones that people should look at this weekend? I don't know. I'm on the Barkley over 15 and a half carries. It wasn't 18 and a half last week. The Giants go from the easiest pass defense to the most difficult. So there's obviously going to be a huge, huge change in offensive game plan here for the Giants. And the one thing I do like is that Jones does protect the ball. He's not a 300 yard passing quarterback. He only did it three times all year, twice versus Minnesota, one versus Detroit. So He's going to protect the ball, keep this game closer, divisional game. I like Barkley getting a lot. 18.4 carries per game on the season, the third biggest workload in all of football. Jalen Hurts comes back, eight and a half carries, hitting the over on that. This is a guy that's averaging 8.2 designed runs per game. And one of the really cool things is if they're leading, 
His quarterback kneel downs in victory formation, maybe there's two. Oh. That counts for two carries. So oh, that's also I, in the handicap yet. Oh, that is that is a that is sneaky. I, you're right. I totally forgot about that. Horrible if you're taking the rushing yard props. The rushing yards, yeah. But for carries itself, that is a sneaky good bet. Actually, that, that's one to look at if you really like one team to win. Take the over for carries for that running back, just based on that fact alone. Yes, and, and usually in the playoffs we see that the starting quarterback will take the snaps for the victory formation, and sometimes during the regular season we'll see the number two come in. So we get those. Uh, Chris Jones could have some big sacks in Jacksonville. Yep. Uh, I mean, he was sacked five times versus KC. KC has a lot of pressure. And uh, there's that game where they had five sacks, Frank Clark wasn't even there. Now Frank Clark's there. Chris Jones, you're you're a Giants guy. You know what Dexter Lawrence is. Yep. Well, Chris Jones is the same. He's ranked as the number one interior defensive lineman on pressure. And I think uh, for a sack at minus 130, that's something we're going to get. And with everybody, I know everyone was talking about Josh Allen taking shots last week, taking shots downfield. But that's kind of what was given to him. We need to look at context. And I know how much you like this, Matt. But Miami is a heavy blitz team. They gave Josh Allen a ton of blitzes with man coverage, and what do you do with that when you have those receivers? You take shots downfield. He did it with three different receivers, and he'll see a different Cincinnati defense who sits in the bottom ten in blitz percentage, so he won't be looking at man-on-man downfield. So we might see uh, Josh Allen take fewer shots downfield. So there's a reason behind the madness that it seems to be why everybody's upset. <laughs> I, I well, I think it's just you know there was a couple times the context of it. It's like Josh, you've got a lead, kill some clock here, and he kept third and two. No, Maddie, third and two. We got the coverage. We're going deep. I, listen, I I applauded. I am I'm always here for more fun versus you know versus the other side. Um, in in terms of the actual games themselves, is there uh, either money line or with the spread? Is there one or two, Josh, you feel most comfortable about, and then? The other side is there a game you're just avoiding like the black death no i think all these games because now that we're in the divisional round with rested teams i think we see what it is uh, i mean we have the saturday games which is going to be a popular bet to tease kansas city and philadelphia down below the key numbers of seven and three that will be a big one i think a lot of people will be teasing up on sunday with cincinnati at 11 and dallas at 10 i think there's something uh, to do with that. As for totals, I mean, it's totals, the variance in totals is, is just bananas, especially when we have uh, the game like Kansas City. Could see a ton of pressure, could see sacks, those kills totals. We're seeing the Giants, Philly. Uh, we don't know what Jalen Hurts is like. That could be trouble. Divisional game also. Cincy, Buffalo, Josh Allen turnovers in the red zone are absolutely crushing any chance of overs, and I think the 50 was high, and the market's right to come back down. And then Dallas, San Francisco, who really knows? I mean, this could be a total a total back and forth, or we could see, I think we could see San Francisco run away with it, and, I don't know, Dak Prescott turns into a pumpkin. Yeah, it could absolutely happen when you're facing a team uh, that's far better than what Tampa is. Uh, Josh, as we let you go, I was fighting about this yesterday with producer Josh. I've been fighting it with some of the staff here. I'm fighting with it with Kara Wagland. If you were going to rank from uh, for breakfast meals, waffles, pancakes, French toast, and crepes, what is your order from four to one? Not enough sustenance and crepes. They're probably uh, there on the bench for sure. Thank you. Uh, Correct. 
Yeah. Um, pancakes, pancakes can be boring. I don't like their absorption rate. Yep. Uh, and I think, uh, what was what was my other one next to waffles? French toast. Oh, garbage. Get that out of there. That doesn't even, that, that's like the 12th man on the bench that just kind of sits there and claps his hand. And then give me, give, me, give me good waffles with some fruit on it, bud. Thank you very much. Waffles are number one. Crepes are number four. We can debate the pancake versus the French toast. Josh, always a pleasure. Check out the man's work at Covers.com. Follow him on Twitter at Covers underscore Josh. Enjoy the games and good luck. All right, Matty, take it easy. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend, and good luck with your bets. Absolutely. Right back at you. On the other side of the show, the Friday podium, where we look at what was the gold, silver, and bronze for the biggest stories this week. That is coming up right after traffic. This is Gameplay on TSN 1050. This is found money. I want to parlay it. I want to make a big score. Embrace the odds. I want winners. Gold, silver, and bronze yogurt lids. It's time for Maddie to own the Friday podium. Now, the bronze are really blue, and they're also the backside of the gold, so no flipping. And give us his top three sports stories of the week. That's right. Looking back at the week, that is. Ranking our bronze, our silver, and gold for what were the stories that captured our attentions this week? Uh, Chris, I got my three. Do you got three that uh, that stick out for you as well? We can go back and forth if you want. I got my bronze, my silver, and my gold. I do have my three, but this is your show, so right. you should start us off. I'll give you mine. And then you can judge, critique, and if, if I've missed a big one. I think for me, the, the bronze, because it's been such a busy week, is Tom Brady. Horrible on Monday. The fact that even though they were down by three scores, when he threw the ball deep to Mike Evans, you're like, for a second, oh, is he going to pull it off? Even though that would mean that time, space, and science would have to be suspended, something he's done for the last decade. But my bronze is his last game, and let the speculation begin. So that is my bronze. My silver is the poor play of the Raptors. And you can lose to the Bucks and Timberwolves, but you lose to the Bucks without Middleton, without Giannis. And both those teams are on back-to-back. I think the Timberwolves also were on a back-to-back themselves. They didn't have... They yeah, like back-to-back for both these teams. No Carl Anthony Towns, no Rudy Gobert. And you lose both those games. That's my silver. Not just because they lost, but every loss like this is sort of pushing the narrative of change is coming, trades are coming, and not just Gary Trent Jr. So that's my silver. And my gold, and I'm biased, my gold is the NFC East. One, when the Dallas Cowboys win, that's always a big story. They get the highest ratings. They haven't done much winning in the last... I mean, it was their first road playoff win in like 30 years. And the team they beat had a losing record. But when the Cowboys are winning, it's always a big story. Dak's a big story. Jerry Jones a big story. Then you have the Giants upsetting Minnesota. And now you got the city of New York. That makes it a big story as well. And now we're all waiting to see on the health of Jalen Hurts and Philly. So my gold is all things NFC East, a division we all made fun of in August. Can't go wrong with that, and it's pretty shocking that we haven't seen three teams from one division make the divisional finals since, what, 97? 
Has it really been that long? It is, yeah. I, I was reading that earlier this week. Uh, 1997 was the last time that three teams from one division made uh, all made the divisional round. So just goes to show you, I mean... Was that the East as well? Because I know the Giants made it in 97. I, I, I want to say it was, yeah. Yeah, because the, the Giants would have made it... Uh, oh, now I got it. Uh, you know what? Check during the commercial break. So, um, yeah. No, they, they did Think about how we viewed the AFC West versus the NFC East at the beginning of the year. Even the AFC East, I think, probably would have had better prospects at the start of the year, right? Yeah. People were pretty high on Bills and Dolphins, obviously. I think some people thought one of the Patriots or the Jets might overachieve and surprise. So it's kind of funny that yeah. it ends up being the NFC East. Yeah, it, it is a shock. Um, the, uh, the, the Bills did their job. The Chiefs did theirs. Denver didn't. Raiders didn't. I'm sorry, the Chargers didn't as well. Um, Tua concussions. A regression from Zach Wilson and Mac Jones isn't good. Like it just comes down to that. Uh, you were saying to me there was some interesting um, sound from Bruce Boudreaux in the Vancouver Canucks. What, what do you what do you got for me there, Chris? So Bruce Boudreaux was uh, speaking with the media today. Uh, we all kind of know what's going on that situation in terms of. He's probably going to be fired in the coming days, and uh, he wasn't on the ice for practice when practice began today. People started speculating. He did eventually come out, and the media spoke to him. They sort of asked him uh, about his ongoing situation, and this is what it sounded like. How do you personally approach this back-to-back, and and will you take some time to savor it? I don't know yet. I really, you know... I mean, I'd be a fool not to say that I don't know what's going on, but uh, um, I just, like I said before, you come to work and uh, uh, you realize, you know, how great the game is. Yeah. It's, it's... So you get a little emotional just now. What does it mean to you to be head coach in this game? I'll talk later. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Bruce. That sucks. It does. Jesus, that sucks. And I just want to tee off a little bit here on the Canucks. What an embarrassing state that their franchise is in right now. Yeah. Like, number one, what they are doing to him, like, dragging him through the mud in the public like this, it is so reprehensible, and it shows such a profound lack of leadership. It's no wonder that the Canucks have been stuck in the mud for the last seven or eight years when they have these type of people making the decisions. Secondly... I hope that somebody else gives Boudreaux a chance because this guy has been a lifer. He deserves way more respect than yeah. he's been given throughout this entire or- ordeal. Like, look at the Canucks. They signed JT Miller to this really questionable deal. Now they can't re-sign their captain, Bo Horvat. Great last name, I might add. <laughs> Thanks, Greg. That's Eli- good analysis. <laughs> Elias Pe- <laughs> El- Elise Pedersen, he's regressed a little bit. Oh, you know, they have some of the worst contracts in the NHL, and yeah. it's just like a calamity of errors with this team over and over and over again and just to see Boudreaux treated like that bothers me as you might be able to tell um it sucks because just your humiliation is public and listen it's part of the reason you get that money you know the deal like we all know the deal uh whether you're the athlete or the coach Having said that, it still sucks when your whole identity is coach and your team is failing. So then you feel like a failure and everyone is watching you. And even worse than this, if you, I don't know if anyone's ever been in this situation where they, everyone, like there's a couple and everyone knows the husband or the wife is cheating on the other one. And everyone knows it except for the husband or except for the wife. And then the husband and wife finds out and that sucks. And what sucks even more 
It's like, wait a minute, all my friends knew? All my relatives? How come I didn't know? That's kind of what this feels like, where all the media knows. Like, all those questions are sort of leading, like, ah, Bruce, your time's about to come up. And he's like, what do you know that I don't? Like, just, the whole thing is gross. And just, you're right, just so poorly managed. It's, it's, It's dead man walking. It's dead man walking, except you don't get the meal. You know, it's like uh, we're, well put. Go, we're, we're we're sending you right to the chair. That's it. and it, it happens. It's part of the deal when you're a coach. You get millions of dollars. You can get fame and adulation. Uh, and then there is a downside, and the downside is happening uh, right now. And uh, they they got back to back. They got Colorado, and then they got Edmonton. You know the worst part? They keep them. And they bring in the new coach for Tuesday when they take on Chicago. You know, let, let, let's give let's give whoever the new coach is a bit of a, a bit of a soft landing spot, at least for the first game. Ugh. I, I I honestly I could easily see it playing out in that way. And yeah. when you look at how this has been handled, like you just mentioned. You know, if you know you're going to fire him, why haven't you done this weeks ago? There is absolutely nothing stopping them from just getting the assistant to be the interim head coach for a couple weeks. Then when when Rick Tockett can come over from TNT, like we all know is going to happen, make the move. But like to be dragging this guy in the mud the whole time, this is not like, this is not a guy like John Tortorella where you might not necessarily feel a level of sympathy for him based on sort of his general demeanor and yeah. how he acts. <laughs> this is Bruce Boudreaux. This is a yeah. guy that is almost universally loved all across the NHL. And I just think it's really, truly a sad reflection on a sad franchise. And, yeah, very sad. Yep, 100%. You, you, you could have fired him when you started out 0-5-2 or 4-9-3. Like, there was, there was times to do it. And... Hey, listen, the team's as bad. He's got to wear part of it, just like management, just like players. But there's a way to handle it, and they did not handle it the correct way. All right, on the other side, we get back into the NFL. Austin Gale from uh, from The Ringer, from Spotify, used to work with Pro Football Focus. We're going to do another deep dive of all things divisional playoffs, and we will do that right after traffic, which is brought to you by JanPro. Canada's leader in commercial cleaning and disinfection services. Trust the professionals at JanPro. Visit them today at janpro.ca. Time now for traffic. Beyond being a good company man and checking out the work done at TSN, when it comes time every week to look ahead to the next week in the NFL, there's a couple places I go. I go, uh, I check out The Athletic, and I also always check out The Ringer. They always do a fantastic job, whether it's through their podcasts uh, and just all the coverage there, and not even just talking just about Bill Simmons and and uh, and Ben Zolak, but everyone. It's always a great place. And join me now, who covers, uh, covers the NFL and was with Pro Football Focus, it is Austin Gale. Austin, first, thank you so much for joining the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I checked on your, you're welcome. I appreciate the time. I checked on your website. It's uh, on your Twitter account. It says audience engagement manager. When I think of you, I think of like NFL writer. Um, so I just wanted for the listeners that don't know just your full uh, role when it comes to the ringer and Spotify. Yeah, it's definitely split up a bit, right? I had a lot of management experience and had managed a lot of the content vertical at TFS before making the transition to the ringer. And, you know, Bill was very candid and was like, you know, I want to bring you out and we're going to have you doing something. And we, you know, he kind of made 
a role for me here to do some of the management stuff that I was doing at PFF and some of the content analytics stuff, looking at guys like what you said, Bill and Solak and trying to identify and acquire talent in all verticals, not just NFL, but movies, TV, those things. And obviously the content affinity I have for the NFL, I'm doing some writing and some podcasting for them as well. It's uh, it's great, and the movie stuff and is wonderful. We also we love having House on this show. Uh, we get him on uh, about three four times a year. Uh, he's great as well. Um, well, let's look ahead to this week. Best coaching job right now: Dayball, Doug Peterson, or Kyle Shanahan. Austin, you can only pick one. Who are you taking? I'm taking Dayball, and I think Dayball is my favorite for Coach of the Year. I think if you look at the full body of work at what he did in the calendar year of 2022, hiring Mike Kafka. I know you mentioned you read The Athletic, Max Duggan, or not Max Duggan, Dan Duggan, Max Duggan's the TCU quarterback. Dan Duggan did a, <laughs> uh, an article on Brian Dayball and how he went through the hiring process to bring in his coordinators. And he did a panel of coaches that were on his staff, and each of them had a vote and who they liked. They were all involved in the interview process, and he had not known Mike Kafka that closely before hiring him. And then Brian Dayball, who was hired for his offensive line, hired for the efforts he was doing as a play caller in Buffalo, relinquished play calling duties to Mike Kafka, who is not a friend, did not hang out with him outside of work and hired a buddy. He brought in someone that the coaching staff liked, that all had votes on him, and brought him in to do that, and then relinquished play calling to him, and then unlocked a Daniel Jones that the front office said, hey, we don't want to pick up his fifth-year option. We're not sold on him as a long-term answer and still elevated the offense to be what is, by efficiency metrics, a top-ten offense this season. Dayball is exactly what the NFL needs. It's a breath of fresh air in a very nepotism, hire-your-friends, hire-buddies-driven league that to see the reward, to see the benefit, and it work out so well is just such so excited to see. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan, what he's done with Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, a seventh-round rookie, his third-string quarterback going into the season behind Trey Lance, behind Jimmy G, is great. But he also had to factor in they had the best skill group in the NFL. Kyle, you know, the George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayu, Chris McCaffrey, not saying his job is easy by any means. But Brian Dayball is charting out practice squad receivers. Isaiah Hodgins yeah. is now the top receiver in the playoffs. They signed him off the Buffalo Bills practice squad, and now he's coming in. So I do think Brian Dayball has had the best coaching job, and that starts with who you hire, how you handle play calling duties, and obviously how you elevate the talent they have. It also speaks to his level of confidence and just self-assuredness that he's not just bringing in people that he's known for 20, 30 years, that he's just going after the best talent. It also shows he's just, yeah, he's confident. His ego is in a nice place where he doesn't, where Dayball doesn't feel like he's going to be challenged or threatened. Absolutely. I think that when I was there in week three, you know, I, I was talking to the ringer and I was saying, hey, I really want to write a piece on the Giants. I think Brian Dayball is doing something to turn this team around. All after that week one game, right, where they go for two to win late. He's yelling at Daniel Jones for an awful red zone interception on a 50-50 ball to Saquon Barkley. You could read his lips. He says, we don't do that anymore. You don't do that anymore. A quarterback that has struggled with turnover since entering the league is like, we don't do these things anymore. And he's been great ever since. I think only five picks on the season. Like, Dayball was holding people accountable. Kenny Galladay, one of the highest-paid receivers in the NFL, sat the bench for most of this season because he's holding people accountable and making sure the best players play. That kind of change for a Giants team that has really struggled to find leadership in the building, like a coach and like a GM that can actually have success, was so, so early on you could see it, right? After week one, after week two, you know, there are a lot of articles about, man, what is this Dayball kid doing? And then when you dig into the process and dig into what he's done and how he's hired his coordinators, how quickly he relinquished play calling, all that stuff just continues to add up to be like, man, this is what the kind of coach the NFL needs. If you're not going to be an offensive mastermind like Kyle Shanahan, which is only a handful in the league, you can throw McVay in there, 
There's no Shanahan in there, obviously. There's Mike McDaniel, potentially. There's only a handful in the league. If you're not going to be that guy, you need to be a guy that everyone wants to play for, who's going to hold people accountable and do the right things and do the right process, like a Mike Tomlin for Pittsburgh. I think Dayball's entering that tier. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I am a Giants fan. I've been a fan since uh, since 1990 when Parcells and them won that Super Bowl against the Bills. Um, all right. I'm going to be indulgent for a second. I want to apologize. We're going to save the Giants for a second. You said, again, joined by Austin Gale from The Ringer. Uh, you said you wanted to cover the Giants in week three. So, your feelings about Daniel Jones at the beginning of the year versus now. Maybe I could ask it like this. What would you have offered Daniel Jones in August in terms of a second contract versus what would you offer Daniel Jones today in terms of a second contract? It's night and day. I think before the season, if you you know had a gun to my head and said, what are you doing with Daniel Jones after this year? I'd say letting him walk, right? Having him go somewhere else, having him have a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity with another team. But what you've seen this year, the biggest problem with Daniel Jones was the turnovers. Since entering the league, no quarterback had more combined interceptions and fumbles than Daniel Jones. And that is a small, when you think about the quarterback position, it's a small percentage of the plays, right? It's not you play 800 snaps as a quarterback in every single season, and a high turnover season is like 40 of those snaps are turnovers. If you can, and everyone says, if you can just stop the turnovers, if you can just stop the turnovers, this quarterback will be good. It's easier said than done. But when it's such a limited percentage of the snaps, it is easier if you hone in on that at the quarterback position. It's exactly what Daniel Jones did. Again, you saw it from week one. Red zone interception to Saquon Barkley. It's for the few times this year that Brian Dayball was outright screaming at <laughs> Daniel Jones, screaming at him on the sideline, saying, brother, this is not acceptable. We don't do this anymore. And obviously he's only finished the season with less than you know, six, seven interceptions. That, I think, to me, showing that growth Daniel Jones has to limit the turnovers, unlocking him as a runner, having him you know, really well coached in that. If the first read's not there, second read's not there, you're put, you know, putting your head down and you're running the football. His taking to that coaching this year proves to me that you can unlock the strength of that skill set. He's a big dude. He's an athletic dude. He has an NFL arm. You can unlock the strength of that with the right coaching. I think you didn't see that. You didn't get the opportunity to see that with Joe Judge and Jason Garrett pulling the strings, right? You didn't get to see what could good coaching do for this guy because he obviously didn't have it. Yeah, and then throw in Andrew Thomas getting better as an offensive lineman, the addition of Evan Neal. That's it. Oh, I like I get him a Giants fan. My thoughts on Daniel Jones at beginning of the year till now. Uh got him an emotional flip flopping hypocrite. From the ringer joined by Austin Gale, signed Daniel Jones. Give him the max money. Um Maybe the most fun game is going to be Bills, Bengals, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, a lot of talent. It's funny, Austin, I don't know how you're, what sense you're getting from, uh, from the other writers at the ringer. I'm getting a sense everyone is now sort of leaning towards Cincinnati for this game. Yeah, I think um, you know, Joe Burrow, if you were doing uh, a dialed-in rankings, dialed-in since, say, October or November, I think he might be number one. This guy is as confident as any player in the league, and he's only in his third season. Everyone has talked about Patrick Mahomes and how much he's developed as a passer this year, particularly because of how the offense has been elevated without Tyreek Hill, and rightfully so. Patrick Mahomes is going to win the league MVP because him and that Chiefs offense are the best of the best. However, if Patrick Mahomes didn't exist, we'd be looking at Joe Burrow as one of the most improved players, improved players specifically at the quarterback position, given how he's maneuvering pockets better, he's taking less sacks, he's protecting the football, and adapting how he has to play within the limitations of the offense, right? The offensive line wasn't good out of the gate. They had to change things up. The running game wasn't there. They had to change things up. His willingness and ability to change his stripes, pun intended, with the Cincinnati Bengals, (laughs) halfway through the season, in his third year, with playoff experience, deep playoff experience, is just incredible. Like, we have not seen a quarterback 
with his limitations, right? Like, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have freaky mobility, freaky athleticism, and a bazooka of an arm. With his limitations, improve as much as he has and be the juggernaut that he has, really since Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to Tom Brady. I'm not comparing him to some of these greats of the previous years. But it was a league that was being dominated by Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, guys with freaky arm talent or freaky mobility like Lamar Jackson. For him to come in and not have those things and really elevate at the position, I think is a huge tip of the cap of the type of player that he is. And honestly, a big reason why people are back in the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they're a better Super Bowl contender now than they were last year. Yep. The only caveat being no Alex Kappa this week, the right guard, and no Jonah Williams, obviously the left tackle. That is scary. Not having those two players along the offensive line against the Buffalo Bills defense that, yes, doesn't have Von Miller, still can create pressure, right? Uh, you know, AJ Epinesa, Gregory Rousseau, they have guys that can create pressure. I worry that that might be too much to overcome on the road in Buffalo, which is going to be a very emotional game, which I'm sure DeMar Hamlin will be a part of the pregame ramp-up. Like, I think this is going to be – the big reason this game is five-and-a-half, Bills favored by five-and-a-half, I think it's some of the emotional stuff, but also this offensive-line injuries. Yeah, oh, 100%. We, we saw what the Bengals were at the beginning of the year and in the playoffs last year, all the sacks um, that Joe Burrow was taking. Uh, nerdy football question for you. Who is more important for their team? Is it Stephon Diggs with the Bills or Jamar Chase with the Bengals? Stephon Diggs for the Bills by a significant margin because I do think that the wide receiver two and wide receiver three for Cincinnati is a lot better than what the Buffalo Bills have. Like, they signed... Cole Beasley off the street because they're not sure who they want in this wide receiver wide receiver three situations. Like the rookie Khalil Shakir out of Boise State had that big drop down the football field that would have kind of shifted the game for the Buffalo Bills, kept the Miami Dolphins in that game on a key third down. Where Cincinnati, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, they even like Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Maji Piran. I think they have a lot of depth at skill player positions. Chase is great. And you could argue that Chase is a better receiver than what Stephon Diggs is. But I think Stephon Diggs is an elite talent in this league that without him, they, you know, the injury luck was the other way and Stephon Diggs wasn't able to suit up. I think this line flips a lot of points right in the Cincinnati Bengals' direction because I think he's that critical to the offense. Yeah, it's uh... – God, I can't wait for that. I can't. You're right. No, you're right. And and the, and the gap between you know just yeah the McKenzies of the world versus what the Bengals have is pretty is pretty significant. So, actually, you know, speaking of gaps, you were mentioning about uh, Patrick Mahomes before. How much of a gap is there between Patrick Mahomes and whoever the second best quarterback is in football? Pretty significant, I think, from a talent level. Like if you're just like so focusing in on the traits and the ability, it's not as big. Like Allen's right up there. I think Burrow's right up there. Herbert's right up there. Like, you have guys that are as talented as Patrick Mahomes, but you don't have guys executing like Patrick Mahomes. Like, what Patrick Mahomes has done this year is almost twice as better than any other offense in the league. If you look at efficiency, EPA per play, the Chiefs' offense is double the second-best offense. That's insane. That's, that's ridiculous. It, should, it doesn't make sense. And all of that is because of how much he's been able to really improve his mid-range jumper, right? He was a guy that was very dependent on explosive plays early in his career, then adjusted a bit, running more screens than the Andy Reid offense. Then you lose Tyree Kill, a lot of people were concerned. There were tweets saying the Chiefs might be the fourth-ranked team in the division because they got Russell Wilson and the Raiders got Devontae Adams. No, Patrick Holmes got a lot better, Andy Reid got better, and they're making it work with Juju Smith-Schuster, Miko Hardman, Markel Zadis, Canton. Like, this is a Chiefs offense that is so much better than it ever could be because of Patrick Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes is in a tier by himself. You can argue who two and three is, but they're not even in the same, you know, in the same world as what Mahomes is doing. 
Yeah, if you didn't know that uh, Tyreek Hill went to Miami and you just saw Mahomes' numbers just blindly, you would assume that Tyreek Hill was there and was healthy for all 17 games. Uh, Austin, I'll leave you with this. What are you more confident in? San Francisco with Brock Purdy being able to score on the Cowboys' aggressive D or Dallas can, or Dak Prescott can continue to do what he did against the Bucks against the 49ers? I'll say this. Dak Prescott is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy in every way, shape, and form. To Correct. compare the two, I think, is ridiculous. Correct. I think what's different is, what's different is Brock Purdy and what the offense that they have, including Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Chris McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings. Like, this is a loaded, loaded skill group with the best offensive player play caller in the league. You talk about the gap between Patrick Mahomes and QB2. There is also a massive gap between the best offensive play caller and Kyle Shanahan and whoever you want to call the second-best offensive play caller. Now, you have Kyle Shanahan going against Dan Quinn, the coach he was under when the Falcons went to the Super Bowl a few years ago and lost 28-3. He knows that defense in and out, and I think he's going to carve it up. I think that three-and-a-half is ridiculous. I think it's one of my favorite bets of the weekend. I think 49ers blow out this Dallas Cowboys team because this offense is too good. And defensively, Tobiko Lyons is obviously getting the defense coordinator for the Niners, getting some head coaching opportunities or interviews at least. I think this team is a juggernaut. I think they're going to the NFC Championship, and I think they win big against Dallas. Austin, really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. Again, go to The Ringer. Go to Spotify. Uh, just the amount of content. It's, and it's free content. You, people should have to pay for it. It's incredible. Follow me on Twitter at Austin Gale. Thanks so much for joining the show. Enjoy the weekend, and I feel good. I also took the 49ers to win and cover. Absolutely. Thank you. Absolutely. Take care. That is Austin Gale from The Ringer. All right. On the other side, we will do Sound of the Day. Uh, We'll see if we can throw in a couple clips, but we'll definitely get to Andy Reid and his thoughts on Kansas City going to Germany. It's pretty much exactly what you think it is. And we'll do that right after traffic. Welcome back, everybody. This is Gameplay. I am your host, Matthew Cause. We will get to sound of the day in a minute. We didn't really have a lot of time on the show just because you're just racing. Like when you when you're doing a two hour show where you got four NFL playoff games, you got everything going on. Uh, just you know the Maple Leafs and that win against the Jets. Things are going to fall through the cracks, and that was a tough job uh, or tough night last night. Raptors losing one twenty eight, one twenty six to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the one thing that, like, the only positive, well, there's really two. One, Freddie, Fred Van Vliet did his job again. 25 points on 7 of 13 shooting. 10 assists, 2 turnovers. But it's Scotty Barnes continuing. And it's not just putting up the numbers. It's not just about the statistics. It's about him looking more aggressive, him looking more comfortable in the offense, him looking more comfortable scoring when he gets closer to the net. And last night, 29 points on 11 of 15. 8 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals. Um, in that fourth quarter where the Raptors collapsed, they only had 17 points. Scotty Barnes had 12 of them, including two crazy dunks. Now, Eric Kareen from The Athletic told me that was the right call. Uh, D'Angelo Russell drawing the personal foul on Fred Van Vliet to me. Complete horse bleep of a call. Game tied at 126. That little time left in the game is like, what, are, are you kidding me? But the bigger picture is... The Raptors are not going to focus on a bad call in the last minute. Minnesota was on a back-to-back. Minnesota did not have Rudy Gobert or Carl Anthony Towns. Minnesota shot 51% and scored 128 points. And Scotty wasn't great on defense, neither with Barnes, uh, Scotty Barnes, uh, either with Siakam or Fred Van Vliet. 
It's another game where just really bad defense from the Raptors. Not the best. Not the best. And it reminds me of the game against the Milwaukee Bucks where 35-year-old journeyman Joe Ingles was getting layup after layup after layup. It's really stuck in your cry. Uh, it's been lingering with you. It's because I went back and rewatched the first and the third quarter of that Raptors loss to the Bucks, and that's what just sticks out to me. What do you have against Joe Ingles? You were you were saying lovely things about Australia earlier in the show. <sighs> now suddenly, it's because he's a thirty-five. You know what it is? It's he's balding. It's if he had either a strong bald head or a strong head of hair, I'd be okay with the layups. But he's but he's thirty five and he's balding. I don't want thirty five year old balding individuals getting layups on my defense. Not the direction I thought you were going to take that, Matthew Cause, but Good. I, sh- I should be used to that with you by Good. now. Good. The last thing I ever want is to be predictable. All right, we do this at the end of each and every show. I guess this is predictable. It's time now for sound of the day. So sticking with being predictable, uh, predictably going to pick a clip about food, and it's predictably it's Andy Reid, and it's Andy Reid giving, giving a very predictable answer when asked about, hey, I hear you guys, uh, the Chiefs next year are going to Germany. How do you feel, coach? I got to tell you, I haven't thought about it. I've, um, <laughs> I've looked forward to getting a bratwurst. I mean, I'll, I'll take <laughs> of course he is. Of course he is. Of course. And, of course, he, he immediately just talked about food. Um, my thing to him was, th- listen, you can, you can go for, the, sh- uh, for the, the sauerkraut. I say go for the schnitzel. You know, you go to certain parts of Germany, there's, like, our hot dog and sausage game, it, it's not on Germany's level, but the gap isn't the same as the schnitzel. The, yeah, the, no, the schnitzel, no. they're way better than here. I would say the sausage hot dog game over there is like Syria. And we're like MLS over here. Okay. <laughs> it's like no comparison whatsoever. But I will say, I will say, uh, I'm going to have some sausages tonight now because I love being a good brat. Yeah. Oh, no, listen. I don't, I don't you know what? We, we have no time. I don't think the gap, <laughs> I don't think our sausage gap is as, as wide as you do uh, with Germany, but I think our schnitzel gap is. What a ridiculous way to end the show. Our sausage gap. That's a, that's a funny way we to gotta, phrase We got to end this all soon. We are three sentences away from getting <laughs> fired, so I will just say great job by you, great job by everyone. Um, uh, uh, by the way, gameplay on TSN 1050 was brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more and get your winnings fast when you download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today. I can't wait for Monday's show. I can't wait for it. It's the thing I always say. The joy of doing this job is I look forward to Monday. I never take that for granted. I know how lucky I am to have a job where I don't fear Sunday night. You'll be trading Daniel Jones on Monday. Let's be honest. <laughs> hey, listen. I have not been so excited for my team in years, and I could get crushed. But we got divisional playoffs. You got the Raptors. You got the Leafs and Austin Matthews with his hat trick that he's going to score against Montreal. Oh, my God, I can't wait till Monday. Be good, everyone. Be good. Be safe. Overdrive is coming up next. But time now for a News Talk 1010 traffic update.